Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's discussion is with Ella Jaworski, the co-founder and CEO of XN Health, Latte Alukotun, co-founder and chief product and experience design officer at Innerstill, and Justin Cosmides, co-founder and CEO of Vela Bikes. This conversation, first of all, is two-part, right? We're going to highlight three great entrepreneurs and their products and services, and they're attached or related accelerators that they're, you know, uh, uh, involved with because um, there's so much fascinating stuff going on uh, in this region, and it's important to highlight that. Um, so without further ado, Ella, tell us about yourself, um, and then you know, about hacks a little bit. And then we'll, we'll get into a conversation back and forth, and we'll take questions. But I wanted to start with you just to give uh, some background on your really fascinating uh, entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, awesome. It's great to be doing things in person, and I appreciate being invited to be here. So yeah, my name is Ella Jaworski. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a early stage medical device company called XN Health. Um, and we are trying to help mechanically ventilated patients wean from the ventilator faster by treating diaphragmatic atrophy. I started this company about a year, almost two years now, actually. Um, we're originally from Texas, uh, from the Texas Medical Center in Houston. I was a biodesign founder, um, and so this was a one-year fellowship where entrepreneurs got a salary, which was fantastic, <laughs> to find an unmet clinical need, come up with a solution, and then start a company. And so we were, you know, in the midst of it in Houston. Um, you know, I got to like go through the ORs and rotate through all these hospital systems. It was quite a challenge because it was 2021, right at the end of the pandemic. So. It was difficult compared to other biodesign years, but we managed to um, find out clinical needs. And I ended up sticking with this one uh, because my co-founder uh, presented it to me and it was such a big problem at the time and so important. And um, I have a semi-personal experience with it because my previous co-founder of another company that I started was on a ventilator for two weeks. Um, he was very young and told me about how traumatic that experience was, and I never want anybody to have to go through that ever again. Um, so yeah, I have a PhD in biochemistry from Texas uh, Medical Branch, and uh, that's where I started my other company, ClickSeq, which is a next generation sequencing technology. It's still actually functional. My co-founder runs it most of the time, and I just provide support uh, at, this, at this point. So that's a little bit about me. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, first of all, that, that program, we should have that copy here, Judith, whatever that program yeah. is in Texas. Um, and, and so, we'll come back to the, the, the accelerator that you're related to, but why don't we skip to, let's see, go all the way to Justin, go in, I don't know if you can top that. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, like, we are smart, <laughs> we're near as innovative. Um, but uh, so I'm Justin Cosmetis, co-founder and CEO of Bella Bikes. Uh, my co-founder is down in sunny, beautiful Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, where the brand was started and where we still have our R&D and engineering, both hardware and software. Um, and I met up, I fell in love with e-bikes back in the early days, 
2014, really finding it both in New York and even in Los Angeles where I was living um, to be the best way to get around the cities, um, really avoid the traffic, but also all the other headaches of it. So really this freedom that um, I was experiencing while I was in banking for 10 years. Um, met Victor, my co-founder, at a wedding uh, where we spent all weekend long talking about e-bikes, which we definitely annoyed the hell out of both of our partners, um, you can imagine. And we hatched this plan to really bring this brand from a boutique, beautiful kind of um, uh, you know, smaller brand in, in Brazil and in uh, South America and bring it to the United States. Um, that was about a year before the pandemic hit and we had this entire retail and everything ready to go and lo and behold, uh, supply chains got messed up for us and we had to pivot uh, like all businesses seem to do a couple times and we pivoted and uh, split into direct consumer um, and start scaling up production. And then as it relates to hardware, uh, accelerators got into a hardware accelerator and software accelerator in actually in Texas, Houston and Austin, um, soft tech. And their specialization was internet of things, IOT. Uh, each one of our bikes have a 4G SIM card in them and they've been building the uh, fleet management for Rivian, Yamaha motorcycles, their electric fleets, um, a number of others. And so we really uh, relied on them to kind of bring our software to the next level. Um, and they're one of our largest investors and in helping us. And we are uh, deep in production scaling and, and growing right now. Great. Yeah, that's a great story. The wedding crasher. And then Sao Paulo. Now, why would it be Rio? Rio sounds so much sexier. Yeah, Rio is definitely the Coco Cabana. Rio is definitely, everyone picture that while we go out in finally cold weather outside. Um, that is, it was an incredible market, and it's an incredible market to R&D and test and kind of prototype. Um, he had fallen in love with early, extremely expensive e-bikes in Europe and wanted to bring the technology back to South America, um, but something that could be serviced and maintained in and around um, uh, in Sao Paulo, where he was born and raised. And I didn't realize the Texas connection. Yeah, so Texas. And I went to A&M, Texas A&M, for grad school, so there's actually three. You wow. must have some Texas connection somehow. I've gone through Texas. You've gone through Texas. <laughs> so like, you flew over. Like three hours, like three days of driving? That's right. Just the very top. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right, go ahead, it. All right, my name's Latia Lukatun, and I am the Chief Product Officer of Interstill which is a med tech startup uh, where our first product is focused on vagus nerve stimulation. So actually, I have a prototype, so it's a little smaller than that. Um, so this is the prototype of the device. Um, the way it focuses, or the way it works, is it actually uh, focuses on that, the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in your body. Actually, I'm going to make sure that I did get a nod right over there. So it is the, the, the longest uh, nerve in your body, and it really is focused on that mind-body connection. So what does it treat, and what can you treat by stimulating it? Basically everything. Uh, we're focusing on a wellness device, and we're really, uh, specifically right at this moment in time, uh, focused on anxiety and depression, but I can tell you that it treats a lot of different things.
Uh, with that being said, uh, we have a range of partners. One of our partners is NextFab. I used to actually be the director of marketing for NextFab, so I, I knew that area very well. NextFab is a makerspace in Philadelphia with an accelerator, um, actually a venture arm. Um, and uh, we have been working with the engineering side of NextFab in particular to make certain that everything that we're doing with our other engineering partners is up to snuff, fantastic, is going to do no harm, and it's only going to do good. Um, and the product really works. We've seen really incredible results. In fact, we have a range of products in the portfolio that are changing people's lives on a daily basis, and I can get into that. Yeah, you know, let's double click on that right now. It's the next fab. Explain to them, I think it might be one of the older ones in the region, maybe in the country, right? Um, and talk about what that means, what, yeah. how it's evolved your experience there? Yeah, sure. Um, so NextFab really started at a, at a really small scale, uh, about 3,000 square feet. It was a collection of basically just 3D printers, laser cutters. It's like a gym for innovators. So anybody can join, get access to these tools that are really, really expensive. I actually joined as a member because I was developing a product that I actually pitched right here years ago. In fact, Jim and I met that day um, with, with these guys. So uh, it's amazing. This, this group it's fun to go from uh, being the audience to being being here to actually, uh, Jim, I've, we haven't mentioned this, but Jim sits on our board. Um, I tapped him for the board, which has been really great because he opens doors left and right. Um, and the NextFab community is about 2,000 people, and they're all members and have access to these different locations. And you can basically go from not knowing what 3D printing is to doing advanced things. Um, it's really incredible. Great. And, and tell, tell us who's behind NextFab. Yeah. Can you tell us that? Yeah. I think you can. So there's, yeah, there's a rich dude <laughs> that's behind it. Uh, there's a, actually a really incredible person um, in, uh, named Dr. Evan Malone, who is a force for good. He went through, uh, uh, through the University of Pennsylvania uh, for his undergrad, did, did a physics undergrad. He's, he ended up doing a PhD in mechanical engineering out of Cornell University, focused on early tech for uh, 3D printing and basically wanted to uh, do better things for the world, so created these places uh, to help others. Great. Okay, well, I'm going to go with you, Jason, because you can talk about SoftTech and, and then New Lab where you are now. So, so talk to us about that, and we'll end with that. Yeah, um, so we yeah, I did mention New Lab. SoftTech, we really leaned on from an accelerated standpoint for both capital and assistance with IoT software side of things. Hardware has really been New Lab. Uh, New Lab is 80,000 square foot former shipbuilding facility in in the Navy Yard in, in Brooklyn, in between Dumbo and Williamsburg. Um, awesome facility. They, um, you know, it's it's a little over 1,600 members there in Brooklyn. About 100 um, startups need to apply to get in. The same kind of play. I love that playground for for startups. I was excited to join, and actually, some of our advisors, former har former head of hardware at Peloton, um, a couple guys at Lime, everything. They were like, "If you want to be in hardware and you're in New York City, you got to be at New Lab. You need to be around this community." And so, applied, joined, got in, um, and it's been incredible. I mean, obviously, all the engineers and everyone else on my team way, way more excited about having um, you know everything from 3D printers, laser cutters. Um, you know, water CNC jet. machines. Water jet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and then they're opening in January 1st. Actually, I don't think it's public, but 
It's close enough. Um, they're opening their Detroit location with the backing of Ford and Google in a th space three times as big. Most of it's focused on mobility. I was just up there yesterday. Um, so they're gonna be doing a lot of great stuff. They have even crazier machinery. Again, I'll have to ask all my engineers exactly all the stuff they do, but they've been an incredible resource from funding to really networking to, you know, you name it, in, in terms of helping us go from maybe not zero to one, but maybe like 0.5 to like, you know, two. Um, has really been, you know, a big one for us to kind of lean on in an incredible community there. That's um, awesome. And that's that's member-based or that's all application? Uh, all application-based. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And that's the same for us, so it's SV and... SLSV? Yeah, in, in Newark. Oh, sorry. So can I ask you a question? When you are accepted, do you have to then pay on a fee-for-use basis of the equipment or do you pay, like, once you're in, you can use whatever you want for as much as you want? Uh, it is a combination depending on the lab and the facility and everything. We pay to have office space there. I mean, no joke, we closed, like became official members, which was like harder than getting into like Soho and House yeah. and like some social clubs out there. It was way too hard. Um, but like once you're in, then you can use a lot of the facilities. And then we started actually just by getting in, raising capital, just by having that. But the facilities, it really depends. Some of the stuff is is more expensive to use. Other is just included within membership. Yeah. And that's an important distinction. Funding was not part of the package. No, no equity, nothing, no funding part of the we, we've t we're tapping them now, we've tapped them um, a little bit before. They're starting a full fund. They're actually out raising um, now. Uh, they raise, they provide funding uh, where they really just pull in angels and everything as a, as a syndicate. So they syndicate and uh, one line item on your cap table. Mm -hmm. Which is good. Got it. Okay, Ella. Yeah, he's up to date on hacks and SOSB. Yeah, so we are part of the Hawks portfolio. Uh, Hawks is one of the verticals that SOSV uh, invests in. So they are the second largest uh, investment, uh, hard tech investment firm in the world. Uh, and so Hawks is their hard tech vertical. Uh, we got investment from them about a year ago. This does come with capital investment equity, but we get use of their space, uh, their engineering teams while we're part of the program. Um, so that's why we were attracted to Hack specifically. I'm not a solo founder, but full, only full-time person, and so I needed a lot of engineering support, and they provide that. We have access to electrical engineering, mechanical engineering teams, industrial design teams, marketing teams, all that, all that stuff. Um, and they work with us on a weekly basis, getting actual hard projects done, um, not just advising. Um, and then they do offer the networking, advising, all that other uh, components. So. We moved here a year ago to Newark. Uh, they just opened a new facility uh, in, you know, in downtown Newark. Uh, we were the first company to move in, and so it's been really exciting to see uh, the office get more full with new companies and build out. But we have makerspace, you know, CNC machines, laser cutters, 3D printers. Um, their investment in uh, form labs, so we get a bunch of those in the office. <laughs> we just got like five more, literally bought like pallets of form labs printers, so that's been really fun. Um, and yeah, it's just a really fun place to do. Explain what form lab printers are for folks who are. So these are uh, 3D printers. Uh, they use a 
liquid resin type technology with UV hardening system. So it's fun to watch actually. The platform like grows out of the liquid and then your product comes out rather than extrusion based 3D printed uh, type things. Is this a form of? Uh, yeah, this is, this is the equivalent. Okay. So the level of resolution that you get and why it's really important for MedTech especially is that you're talking about something that's oftentimes going to interact or interface with the human body. That's got to be really precise. So the, the 3D printers that oftentimes you'll you hear about, like MakerBot, Ultimaker, those don't have the level of resolution that you really need for, especially if it's something that's going to be in the human body. So you really want to be very precise. Um, and it's, it's interesting talking with both of you about it. So we, we do things a little bit more decentralized, which is to say that sometimes when we're going to get something 3D printed, we have to wait for a vendor, um, sometimes across the country, sometimes in the middle of the country, to send something back. Trust me, I really want that file, as soon as it's done, to be in my hands so I can iterate again, because I know it's wrong, but I want to find out how it's wrong. And to have that delay is never gratifying. Uh, so SOSB, what, what's happening there, what you guys are doing, that's fantastic. Even NextFab, um, it, that, that's really essential. And hard, hardware is hard. It's really, hard is right. It's, it's really, really challenging to make something that's physical because you have the constraints of, you have the constraints of human interface, you have the constraints of the physics, you have the constraints of, quite frankly, like your assumptions were wrong around what was going to be done. And all of that, um, the accelerator is really key to that. Um, it, it speeds up that process. Yes, there's the, the financial side, but it's really the iterations. That's what we're really talking about, is how quickly can you get through and fail and figure it out and improve on it. I can't tell you how many times we started a print, like, at 9 p.m. and then washed it and then look as soon as it's coming out of the printer you're like that's wrong <laughs> yeah like you look at it for like a hundred hours on the computer and you're like there's no way i've thought about literally everything yeah. and as it's being printed you're like crap <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like it still has like eight hours to go but you're already back to the like cat file and fixing it and like starting the next print because we can because we have like three yeah. printers ready to go so that's been really fun it's and, and it literally <laughs> means that we move around the country for this, yeah. for, the, for the access, right? Yeah. I mean, when, when NextFab started, that was 2009. I heard about it in 2010. Quite frankly, so I had, my best friend lived in Hawaii, and I was like, you know what, I want to just spend time in Hawaii. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I heard about this place in Philly, and I was like, I guess I'm going to Philly. <laughs> and that's what I did. I did for years, just as a member, because I needed access. And I really believe in product. Physical, physical things are really interesting you can only do so much with digital solutions i mean you have digital parts to what you're making but it can't you can't have a you can't have a digital bike right it's it can't be fully digital. can we also talk about the camaraderie with other people yeah, yeah. <laughs> being i think being physically co-located with other founders that have similar challenges to you is like so important uh, you know, when you're struggling, or even the successes, there's a somebody doing like a roofing robot in the space. When we hear the roofing robot going off, it's like a nail gun, literally a nail gun. Everybody's like, woo! And like, there's like a wave of woos throughout the office. It was amazing. Uh, because we're all like excited with each other's successes, and if it's tough, then like, you know, we support each other. And so I think that's actually what's really important. Um, you know, if you have some stupid challenge, like you're other co-founder or other founders have solved it and you just ask them and they have answers immediately so i think yeah. the camaraderie is part of why i like being part of these types of accelerators and major spaces and things like that yeah so i think it's crucial i mean it's to solve for the millions of things that are going to go wrong that you're going to 
get hit with, you need to kind of pull together. And if it's sharing insurance brokers who are gonna help you get this and get manufacturing figured out or shipping or this or that, or you know some sort of part or anything i mean it's it is that for for us especially you know the younger people on our team the younger engineers the younger people all needed that and they came to they came to the senior leadership and was like we need to get in front of like everyone else and do that and helped us kind of all realize yeah actually this is a really good move to get everyone together and then one step further around other people in our case mobility but also you know light phone the guy you know one of the founders of light phone sits behind me and it's yeah. like who would have ever known that our product would overlap or we would share stuff or you know the, the you know really it's more commiserating over like you know, <laughs> massive issues and problems but yeah. we're all you know going through it so it's great to like have that it makes things I was I was deeply involved with another startup with a founder who had a lot of like very isolating kind of like not wanting to break out to it. You know, I've stayed in touch, I've tried to be a friend and everything, and my advice continuously is like get better advisors, build better like community, surround yourself by these people because it has literally taken us, you know, a huge way in kind of helping to kind of support the business at the next level. Yeah. So yeah. I want that um, just focusing on hacks a little bit more because people don't realize that there are other facilities around the world and it's such a big deal that they've located in, in Europe where they could have located anywhere else around the country or around the world, right? So they spent like a year or two trying to find a spot for their new location, so. Yeah. Well, all I've, been, I've been begging <laughs> the founder for, for years, but it, <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't matter. No, but but I mean, all... I think it's important that they know, you know how many other facilities, how big they are, the years of expertise oh, yeah. and the amount of funding poured into Hardtech. I mean, it's it's uh, um, number one, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's just by magnitude of, of, of so much uh, that it's it's it makes a difference. Yeah. I think there's eight offices. I don't know, Carmelo, is that correct? <laughs> I think it's about eight. There's definitely a big Correct. presence in China, Shenzhen, China, Taipei, Taiwan. San Francisco, uh, their biotech office is, is big presence in San Francisco. Hacks now in Newark. IndieBio also there is New York, Ireland. So they have presence all over the world. India, you know, so um, we have access and availability to go up to any office by being in the SOSV community. Uh, so that's really, you know, great for us. They're like huge, you know, you're talking about manufacturing, huge manufacturing presence. Anything we want, there's a team over there. I just send them like the Alibaba th thing, or I just say, this is what I want. They source it for us, they ship it for us. Like everything's taken care of on that end. So that's been incredibly valuable. We've gotten so many really inexpensive parts uh, and very quickly. Um, and then, yeah, they are the second largest investor. They have $2 billion uh, of investment under management. So it's you know very large. So the network is huge. Uh, the founder community is huge. They've been around for I don't know 15 years, 20 years, something like that. Um, but yeah, Sean has been great. He's another one of these very altruistic, yeah. uh, rich people <laughs> that have just like incredible vision for changing the world. Um, so. Absolutely. So we, we can get into questions pretty soon, but I mean, this has been a really good way to sort of uh, educate folks on your products and services, but yeah. also the value of accelerators and more. 
specifically hard text accelerators because yep. again it's relatively new in this region. Um, it is. I, 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 so I, I wanted to just mention there the mentor you were kind of you mentioned this mentorship. Um, so NextFab, one of the member emeritus is uh, Garrett Brown, a name you might not know. I didn't know it before I heard what he had invented, which was the Steadicam. But it wasn't just the Steadicam, it was the Aircam, the Divecam. It's unbelievable how many different devices the man has made. He started as a sales guy, and he came up with the Steadicam concept in a, in, this is the story he tells, in a, a motel. He literally told his wife that he needed to go off and think about an idea. He came back with the Steadicam idea. He had engineers map this thing out, but you can imagine this was done years and years ago, right? So it took a lot longer. But there were members of the community at NextFap that were actually on his team. And, and he was like, a, he wrote himself, he basically became a, a live action hero in his own life because he was always the guy that was holding the Steadicam. He wrote it into the contracts. So anytime you saw like Rocky running up the stairs, you know why Rocky ran up those stairs in Philadelphia? It's because it was in the demo reel of him following his girlfriend at the time up the stairs with the original Steadicam, which they sent out to the film industry. And so Sylvester Stallone saw that and said, where is that? And that's how he ended up doing that run. And Indiana Jones going across that like rickety bridge that was Garrett Brown right behind him holding the thing. It's just unbelievable. And so he, he really was this like action, I mean he's kind of like a Tony Starkish kind of character who just wrote himself into his own story by inventing and, and finding ways. And so he, you know, we watched these stories, he would tell this story on stage at NextFab. And to hear that, it's like, well why, why not? Why not be part of this? I mean, why not be part of this? Also, think big, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would have never thought to write myself into the contract. But that's <laughs> yeah, so clever. So you know? But that's a, what amazing way to put yourself in front of like famous people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Behind, yeah, whatever. Just remember that for your bike. Yeah, exactly. Anytime it shows up in a movie, all you have to be the yeah. one. All <laughs> the <photos laughs> anywhere in the world. I'll play a girl with a wig. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Any, let's go right to questions. Any questions for us? Okay, uh, let's see, Richard first. Yeah, oh, I didn't know there were well, others. <laughs> um, do you, uh, we came in late, so maybe I missed this part of it, but do you foresee a day when consumer products are customizable to the individual consumer uh, based on any you know number of factors? Is that kind of the direction that we're going as opposed to mass producing items? I think, so the question was, um, is, is there a point in time where uh, products, uh, products for, kind of for the masses are customized for the individual to a certain extent? I, I would say that that's actually already been happening. Uh, Nike for years uh, started to explore that with customizable shoes and they started at the, the lightest level. So there's, there's personalization and then there's customization and then there's kind of the individual individual. Uh, uh, side of things. Now you can do that on a 3D printed scale. Like if you're talking about something that's physically 3D printed, it's it's possible you could do a scan of a person. That's actually being done in clothing, for instance. So you can do a scan of a person and actually get 3D knitted clothing made specifically for you. Um, now on the personalization side, Nike literally, you know, this was early 2000s. They started with literally just color choices. You could change the color, right? And that was customization, but it just personalized, the lightest. 
And so the, the, the farthest is almost like the equivalent of you know, what Star Trek has, where you can go up to the machine and order any food imaginable. And that is, that's on that spectrum of possibilities. So Dr. Evan Malone, with his 3D printing technologies, early in the day, one of the, the, the filaments that he was actually using was um, batter and icing. And so he was actually allowing people to 3D print custom cakes um, as, as an example of that. So it's absolutely possible, and it's happening more and more. And you can see brands, and in, in fact, even at Brooklyn, you're, you're seeing a lot of that in a lot of other places. Too. Yeah. I mean, we just moved manufacturing from China uh, to Detroit, and one of the reasons why we did it, quality, um, but also shortening the uh, both the lead time for us to be able to customize our bike, not on a one-off basis, that gets a little too much. And yeah, honestly, I, I don't think, I think people think they know exactly what they want and they want <laughs> access to all 5,000 colors that we can do um, powder coating on our bikes. But I think people wanna do, you know, imagine your coolest, you know, your favorite celebrity is riding around on a white uh, Vespa. Justin Bieber just did a collab with Vespa. And so, um, you know, to have that option for X number and this option to be able to um, control it in terms of production, I think it's more doable. Mm -hmm. I think true um, customization on a one-off basis is is just not not worth it for, for a lot. Of, I mean, for us as a consumer goods product and everything that we kind of touch, um, not on a one-off basis. No, would you do it if the price was right? Oh yeah, we actually talked about <laughs> what that cost would yeah. be if there was an option at the bottom. Yeah. Um, guitars are really an interesting example. So Fender has like their overseas um, uh, options for X price point and then their US made. We're cut, we could be following a similar trajectory, but then they have that X factor of like, I want to customize my own for XYZ. I'll fly you to Detroit and, and you can pick out the color and watch the whole thing be made if you pay me enough. <laughs> and, and, and you say that jokingly, but that might be oh, yeah, that actually, experiential that is, thing yeah, to, yeah. to do. Yeah. That actually, in all jokes aside, I was, I was, it was a great article of the founding of Shinola and mm -hmm. being able to like see the factory and do that. And that's something that we really want as we're making this capital investment and time investment in terms of scaling production in the US. Um, really bringing people into it to see it um, because it becomes so 95% of bikes more actually 97% of bikes are all imported and we've been so detached from the biking and in our case electric biking is even a smaller percentage yeah and, domestic name. and I, I saw that play out with I had a friend that had a, um, I had a friend that still has a photo booth company so literally just photo booths for weddings obviously that went away during the pandemic but um, for a period, he was actually doing, he would have these huge brands that say, we want it in our car. We, we have this specific car and we want a photo booth. And he would literally just say, it's, you know, 50 times the normal price. And like, yeah. So he'd spend a little extra time, customize it out, hit it out, and it was literally theirs. So it's, it's doable with, for the right price. And, it, and it's very cool for the right price. It can be worth it. Yeah, I mean, for, I think it really depends on like ultimately also what the product is, right? In healthcare, we talk about personalized medicine, which is a big thing that's coming up. They'll take your genome, they'll sequence it, they'll figure out exactly what problem you're having, and then 
Uh, there's some like cancer treatments now too that they'll take your stem cells and modify them so that they become cancer fighting cells. So there's a lot of I think personalization, customization um, going around in different, all the industries, right? I mean like Apple you can engrave on your iPad and stuff like that. Slingshot I think has like hundreds of different options. It's like an astronomical combination of slings. Like, I don't think there's two similar slingshots on the planet <laughs> because of the sheer number of options that they have. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely the way that we're going. And if you're like, have something that physically interacts with you and you have a 3D printer at home, who's to say you can't buy the fundamental technology, get purchase the file, and then have the company over air print it yeah. to your device. Like, that's how I print stuff from my house to the lab to the like stuff in the lab so <laughs> you don't physically have to be there to start the machines either so um, I think all of this is in the realm of possibility okay next question right behind me yeah, you talk about bringing in specialists from this uh, electrical engineers were mentioned mm -hmm. I assume there's mechanical engineers and other people who are able to do it I'm kind of interested in the model that is in which they're provided how do you engage them? Are they internal teams? Are they external teams that are previously contracted? What, how are things scheduled and prioritized? And how are they paid for? Yeah, that's uh, great. I, I think we both got, we have two unique models here. So we, we're basically uh, doing it a la carte at the moment. Um, so it's, it's funny, yes, NextUp has an accelerator, but we're actually paying NextUp right now for, for services rendered. Uh, and the, the advantage of that is uh, that we're, we're sorting out the product and some of the details um, as we go along. So we have, we have this one electrical engineer has, who has largely run, it's actually kind of amazing how much he's done. He built the, physical, the first PCB that fully worked based on the science. So we have an MD, PhD, PhD, yes, that was not a typo, uh, who is one of the founders whose science is what is being translated into this device with another founder whose brilliant therapy, therapy approach is also being translated into the device. So the key is to be true to the science first. And so a single engineer being able to do all of that, um, not just, the, not just the, the electrical engineering, the boards, the physical you know, harnesses, et cetera, the whole thing, that's, that's a huge lift for anybody and impossible, quite frankly. Um, over time, and so bringing in other engineers, so we specifically brought in uh, one electrical engineer and one mechanical engineer initially. Um, I brought in another designer um, whom I've had the pleasure of working with for a long time. My, my background, sorry, I should have said, is uh, user-centered design, which is a very holistic um, background to begin with. Um, actually, uh, I got to work with um, uh, Ford's former CEO, uh, Jim Hackett, who um, helped with the whole mobility thing that you're not going to be a part of. And he really looked very broadly at, at, at um, how to build teams, but also how to approach things. So we're taking that broad approach and saying, well, it's also, it's also the business model has to be set. It's all these things. So we're doing all this ad hoc, but really trying to put it all together in order to ensure that it's working seamlessly. And, um, and so actually, the, the visibility that you're getting to this product, so this is, this is the most that the world has seen of this. Um, uh, in this room, you know, we have a few people that get to try it, but we're, we're really pretty dark at this point in time. We're not trying to share it with the world, and as a result, we're kind of keeping all of that stuff pretty close, and hence our partners are pretty close. So we, you know, we have other 
technologists that we work with to, to bring this all uh, to, to market, including an app developer that's doing really interesting things on the survey side. So it's really a la carte at this point in time, which is very, sounds like very different. Very from, different. Yeah. Yeah, the, the HAGS model is they invest in the companies, so we get cash from them, and then we don't pay anything back. Uh, so Sounds we, awesome. <laughs> we, uh, we pay equity back, uh, but we're part of the community forever. They prioritize, you know, they only have a finite number of engineering staff, uh, so they prioritize the companies based on the first six months that they're within the program, because their whole, um, you know, value is accelerating your development in your company, so that's why they put all the engineering effort in the beginning. We have been there for a year, we still have access. I still have weekly meetings with all the engineering teams. They just have deprioritized us mm -hmm. compared to the new teams that are coming in. So I still have them uh, on deck if I have any questions or anything like that. Um, their work product's a little bit slower than it used to be, but they also have connected us with other engineers that now um, you know, we are, we are paying for. Um, so it was totally free for the first time and they will still be free but it's just a little bit slower so it depends on um, if we need something immediately or not long term um, and if there was like we needed something for a show or something they will reprioritize us based on milestones and deadlines so um, you know they are I think our lifelong partners so they want us to succeed and uh, and they treat it like that so you know before we get to additional questions why don't you each tell us where you're at in your life cycle, you know, as far as fundraising, uh, what's the status of the company? Justin? Sure. Um, we are, we're in a unique situation since we pulled in the Brazilian entity in about uh, five years worth of R&D and, and sales and revenue uh, from that entity into the U into the US entity, as one of our advisors likes to say, you guys are the luckiest out there since you spent almost no dollars on R&D. At Peloton, we had spent $8 million to get to where you guys are at and you're already in market and 4,000 bikes on the road. So we're lucky in that regard. Plenty of revenue coming out of there. Um, revenue in the US for about two years. We've raised about a million dollars with pre-seed, angel, family, friends. Um, that and then we're going out to a full seed uh, right now with a lead uh, investor and uh, we're trying to close quickly. So, thank you. Yeah, so we raised one pre-seed last year. We got it from SOSB um, and we've been running on it for last year. We just opened up a seed round so we're trying to raise three million dollars to accelerate the rest of our product development. We are a medical device company, so we do have to go through clinical trials and FDA clearance before we can sell the product, uh, which is a four-ish, five-year process. Uh, so we will be raising quite a few rounds after this as well. We are only in the preclinical stage so far, so we've done uh, animal testing, we've proven that our prototypes work, uh, but there's a lot of like regulatory things that we have to do. We have to build, like have a hard design freeze before we can do all the testing because if you change something as small as the color of the device, you have to go back and make amendments oh, yeah. and like, so we have to finish, finish product development. We can't make any more changes and so that's why like the R&D <coughs> stage takes so long in a, in a medical device company. So we're about a year, year and a half out from testing our product in a human. So we're also a med tech company, but we did a slight pivot or a slight um, 
different focus on the, we focus on the consumer side first. So we got an FDA exemption, which means that we can keep on iterating to our heart's delight on this product. Uh, we have about five or six products in the portfolio or in the pipeline uh, that are actively being developed. Um, right now, it's all friends and family rounds. Uh, we've raised, I think it's like 650K or something like that. Um, and actually, Jim, you can probably say more about where we are in terms of <laughs> um, So the, the key here is we wanted to get the product right, though. Um, so even though we don't have to ever stop the, the development, the iterations, we wanted to make certain that the product was in exactly the right place so we could get it into, we were actually talking about this earlier about, uh, and to clinicians, but actually what we really mean is into end users' um, experience. So um, we are already starting to use this product um, in uh, Bucks County area um, and also in Sedona, Sedona Arizona. Uh, so we have our chief medical officer, she's based there. So we've been actually running sessions. Um, the sessions are, I, I actually, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know what the price is right now, but it's three to five sessions. Um, to establish basically a really nice place for your body. Um, so we've had people that have come in with some pretty serious bouts of depression. Um, we, with another device that we're working on, we've also seen people kick some pretty terrible habits that they've had, um, and that could be opioids, etc. cetera. Um, so usually that takes years, if ever, uh, for you to get off of them, but uh, we've had some really successful um, uh, experiences where people have uh, been able to get off of some pretty addictive drugs in as little as uh, six weeks. Um, now on, the, on this device, that's not where we're focused. And this device is really, think of it as, um, we are covering the spectrum from floundering to flourishing. For those that are getting nervous, they get on stage. It doesn't matter if you're a professional performer or you're just, you're just feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed. This device, those three to five sessions can really change things. Um, and what we've found on the, on the flourishing side, so that's the flowering side. On the flourishing side, let's say you are one of the best athletes in the world and you're looking for that cutting edge. We've talked with people on the Olympic Committee, we've talked with a few professional golfers and tennis players around how this could give them that edge in performance. So that's where we are and, and we're honestly like weeks away from being, being able to actually have these in a number of clinicians' hands for use with end users. Um, from there, we're gonna scale up in a few different ways, but start with the clinicians, um, and eventually it's gonna be something you can just purchase and use in your, in your home. Okay, Judith. Yeah, I wanted to ask, I work with a number of the New Jersey universities. To what extent are any of you working with any of the universities uh, in either New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and how might you be able to leverage that? I am starting to, yes. Uh, so we are, we moved to New Jersey because of all the, um, you know, programs that the state has to support new ventures. Uh, if you look at the NJEDA website, there's a ton of stuff. Angel credits, R&D credits, accelerator credits. Um, so it was one of the big reasons why we came here. One of the programs we're working with is CSIT, um, which, gives a grant money grant money uh, to work with any university in uh, the state. So we are working with Rutgers, uh, trying to establish that relationship now to do uh, our preclinical animal testing. All the stuff we've been doing has been in Texas so far, which is great, we love them, but flying to Texas every month has been <laughs> a little bit of a challenge uh, and having to pack and 
put our device on, on the, in suitcases under the plane is like, and getting like TSA looking at our device like, why do you have this? <laughs> is this a bomb kind of thing? And having to explain that every time has been interesting. So we are uh, building that relationship here um, and being close is really nice. That's awesome. Um, we plan to, actually a couple of meetings I was having in Detroit yesterday the state of Michigan and Detroit and a lot of, you can imagine all the electrification of automobiles and all the kind of wave and development of that, riding the coattails of, of that um, and mobility. And um, so it's a lot on that that we're starting to tap, but quite frankly, have like been kind of catching up. And then in New York, not as much as we want to be. Um, we have a warehouse, we have technicians, we've been training, you know, incredible, like, you know, you can imagine high school kids that take apart their Xboxes, or my target, you know, guys to like go in and build the electronics desk. So it's like, I don't need even, you know, college educated, you know, I, I can get real um, crafty with the skills that are out there. So um, I've been told there's a lot out there, but quite frankly, I'm so busy with just like, running the business and trying to get more bikes on the road and bikes fixed and everything else that that will come um, but definitely interested in, in tapping more going forward and um, I if if Ellen Ito who is our CEO was here she would give you a, a long list of folks that we're trying to work with and a few that we ha we are presently working with we actually just applied for a grant actually you people speak this again <laughs> more so than me uh, we just applied for a grant in New Jersey uh, to focus on a specific population which is maternal. yeah um, it was maternal maternal health right yeah maternal, maternal wellness uh, but also uh, we're working with uh, UCF um, in uh, that's in Central Florida uh, there's this amazing town called Lake Nona which uh, is, is this crazy tech hub uh, that you would have never heard of. It feels like it's straight out of a Bond film. Uh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. They have a whole bunch of things. Like they're aiming to be one of the first uh, places that has a drone uh, kind of taxi service. And, and yeah, it's really neat. And they have um, you know uh, automated buses um, and, and Deepak Chopra's there. Um, it's just this really cool place. So they have a whole bunch of connections there. So there's the veterans, uh, the biggest veterans hospitals there. So there are a bunch of folks that we're um, starting to connect with uh, for IRBs. So while we have this, we don't need to do more medical um, studies for this specific device. We're always interested uh, th at the root of it. We still have you know, MD, PhD, PhD, and uh, a doctor who are both very interested in, in the science. And in fact, I'd say our whole team is. I'm probably, um, I don't wanna say the least interested, but the least qualified on the science, but very interested in it. Uh, so we're, we're eager to work with, uh, with uh, universities, colleges, et cetera, that um, are interested in, in this kind of work. Thank you. Next question. Uh, yeah, uh, my, my name is Ravi. So, can you talk a little bit about your experience in uh, raising funds, like pitching to investors, and a little bit more uh, on like that that journey? So, why don't you give us uh, the questions about raising funds? Obviously, um, you guys could talk for hours, I'm sure, <laughs> and commiserate for hours. <laughs> so, maybe just a minute each on you yeah. know on your experience. Um. I think the guys at Elephant Ventures, who are former um, Casper, Warby Parker, that whole group, mm -hmm. dollars, said it best. They said our hit ratio when we were raising money and and going out there for hardware 
and in particular consumer good CPG hardware. It's about one yes for every 800 um, <laughs> no's, and I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think it's probably closer to 200-ish. Um, that being said, it's incredible, but all of the people that I was getting pretty close with or going back and forth with, and then they were like, you know, no, we're like shifting allocations or everything away um, towards like, you know, the web three, the mm. crypto, yeah. the everything else. Yeah. I'm having a lot better reception of uh, pitches and calls and conversations more recently. Um, and I think it's because maybe valuations and everything else are coming down and they like something that hardware, you can get to profitability, you can get to you can start selling those like Whoop or something else and you know people will pay subscription service or something yep. else. I mean, it's, there's a lot of that of like, you know, how quickly you can get to profitability, how quickly you can actually start making money and quite frankly, I think that's a good thing for the entire market. Um, so, you had asked me six months ago, I would have been even probably more negative, but I think it's, quite frankly, if you're talking to the right people and you're in the right room, as long as you have enough of those conversations, it's, you know, you'll get there. Yeah, so uh, our pre-seed was, SOSV was actually the first application I filled out when I was time to start raising, so. One one. No, I, I ended up doing like seven or eight, like, because they were accelerators, so you just like fill out the application online, but they were actually the first one I did when I was like, okay, it's time to start raising money. So that worked out really well. This time it's not the same. Uh, we just opened our round a couple weeks ago uh, and it's been a struggle. I think getting introductions is the hardest part. Um, I'm a relatively young founder and my network isn't that strong, especially in like the med tech community. Uh, and so if you just like fill out the contact form on a VC's website, like it goes into the black hole, the, the email black hole, like nobody's going to respond to you. So you need to get more introductions. And so I personally don't have those connections, but I've been trying to connect on LinkedIn, using my SOSV network. And literally, if there's like any semblance of a mutual connection, I ask for warm introductions. I do a lot of pitch competitions, and like getting up in front of as many people as I can and hoping something will hit. So we just started. It's already been a struggle um, trying to get meetings in the first place, but hopefully we'll have something hit soon. Second, the networking and, and tapping yeah. into. I mean, that is just absolutely crucial. I was, I did on deck, number about two years ago, two and a half years ago, on deck, uh, which is incredible online mostly community, but it's like any way you can possibly get a warm intro. You're right. I mean, if you're if you're black, you know, if you're throwing something into you know a dark hole, it's, there's zero chance someone's getting back to you. Yeah, but that's that's just partially time. I mean, you know, you're young is the is if that's your worst mark against you, <laughs> don't worry that that'll, that'll work out over time. And and I'd say you just keep your head down, you keep on doing the work that you are, but you know, be visible. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten a chance to be an entrepreneur, I've gotten a chance to be an entrepreneur, you know, it, there are different pitches that you give in different circumstances, and um, it's, I'd say it was a hell of a lot easier to do entrepreneurship, where it's just like, guys, can I do this thing, you know, and they're like, yeah, here's the money, you know, and then you just go. That's, that's a lot easier, quite frankly, than starting from something from scratch, especially at the very beginning. Uh, we heard this actually from an investor that came back again, um, or a potential investor, who wanted to find out how's it going, um, and it had been about a, a year since we had last talked with her, and and you know we were giving her an update, and she said, yeah, you know, the thing about 
technology about physical products is it's really, really challenging. And so the reality is that the, there's more interest as you get closer. So you having this thing right here that we just rode around outside is really compelling to the right audience, right? It's investors are interested. It means that they're gonna get less. That's the way, if there are any investors in here and you think you're gonna get a lot when this thing already exists and it's out there in the world and he already has, you know, you're gonna get less. You're gonna get less of the total investment. Um, now, something like, like ours where it's, it, it isn't out there in the world yet, um, there's potential to make more. Um, but you have, to, you have to calculate your risk. And that's the thing, it's not just about what we believe because we as entrepreneurs believe the hell out of what we're doing and we believe it's absolutely gonna work. And there are days, of course, when we don't think that, but most days, God damn it, this is gonna change the world. It doesn't matter if it's a bike, it doesn't matter if it's going in your body, it doesn't matter if it's gonna be outside your body. We believe we're gonna make a difference and that's what you're actually investing in. And so that's the, it's, you're kind of investing in the confidence side, but this isn't a con, right? This is real and, and you just have to be along for that ride and trust that we are the right people that are gonna take it all the way to the end because we are the team that's going to do that. That's what you're really investing in. Yeah, you're investing in technology because you like the idea of the tech, but you really are investing in the people. And that's really hard, but really compelling at the same point in time. I think that's why the, sometimes the cycles are so long, because they are investing in the people and you're building that relationship with the investor. Yeah. And I think that's where I do what I'm going to do it again in the future is build these relationships earlier. Yeah. I should have, and everybody's always said, oh, start networking and building relationships with investors. I was like, great, but I also have this tech I need to build. I yeah. need to hit these milestones because that's what everybody asks me about when I need them, right? So. Um, that's definitely an interesting challenge, but it is it is about personal relationships. These are like marriages you get into contracts for like long-term legal yeah. things, right, with an investor, and they're gonna be with you for the next five, 10 years, however long, until you can get them that return. But you want somebody that you can trust and they can trust you, mm -hmm. so. So have you looked at Golden Seeds? I did, I met with them last night, yes, actually. Oh. <laughs> and I'm gonna meet with them again uh, probably next week, so. The yeah, brother just, investors, Golden Seeds, invest in businesses that have a female and a C-level position. So, the, the other, can I make one other comment? The yeah. other thing that both of the, I'd say probably more so the medical companies should look at is the Bird Foundation, which funds projects between the U.S. and Israel. There's a lot of medical technology happening in Israel, so that might be opportunities Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.